Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is the Bulls Talk Podcast, presented by Coors Light. I am Jason Goff, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Air Jordan. That's right, H-E-I-R. Marcus Jordan will join us. Coming up on the show, we'll discuss the Last Dance documentary with Marcus Jordan. We'll discuss growing up as a Jordan kid, and also his line of business, The Trophy Room, which he is the CEO and founder of, and much more. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness. And packaged cold for peak refreshment. Because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. Welcome back in to the Bulls Talk Podcast. I am Jason Goff, and I have the pleasure of being joined now by... None other than Marcus Jordan, Air Jordan, with the H-E-I-R, by the way. Uh, Marcus, thank you, man. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, This has been quite the time as of late. Uh, Your pops came out of nowhere just to let everybody know that it's still what it is with the Last Dance documentary. And, of course, we're all cooped up at the house at this time. I want to start this off by asking you, because I'm sure your time has been, uh, you know, parceled throughout different platforms over the last three weeks or so, what question are you tired of being asked? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, that's actually a good question. That's the first time I got that, I've been asked that question. Um, the, the question I'm tired of getting asked, oh, man. I don't know. You know, I've been asked these questions my entire life. So You've it's been like nice I just, on a lot of these interviews. So it's, time, know, like, it's cool. To, I, you can take it off. <laughs> you're both family now. <laughs> you know, um, I – there hasn't been a bad question with regards to as talking about the last dance, but you know, one of the questions that irritated me as a kid growing up was always like questions around space jam and was I in space jam? Why was I in space jam? Blah, 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 blah. And so I know that used to irk me, but with regards to the last dance, man, I guess, you know, trying to pick out, you know, favorite sneakers, I guess is always a tough question just because like, I always look at it as like being like my favorite siblings. Like you can't pick a favorite brother or sister or nothing like that. So I guess those are the, those are the two that irk me the most. Well, all right, so let me cross that one off real quick. <laughs> and, and people ask you about Space Jam. That's interesting because, you know, when I was growing up, I thought maybe y'all just lived in a two-bedroom crib and all of a sudden you wanted to go play with Monsters and all that. But let, let's get to it, though, man. Um, yeah. What is it like being one of Michael Jordan's kids? Yeah, you know, there's, uh, there's pros and there's cons, you know, and there's obviously more pros than there are cons. But, you know, there's a lot of perks. You know, my parents raised us as, uh, as somewhat normal as possible and I say that just jokingly because you know I didn't take my first commercial flight until I was like a junior in college you know I mean junior in high school excuse me so you know it's relatively normal but you know my mom's from the south side of Chicago so she kept us real grounded by you know making sure we visited my cousins a lot you know I graduated from Whitney Young in the city uh and playing in the city public league so you know they uh they did a great job of just raising us and making sure that you know we understand that everything in life comes with hard work, you know, but uh, one of the cons would just be like, you know, having to operate under the assumption that people always want something from you, you know, because there's a lot of questions around, you know, can I get this sneaker or can I get this hookup or whatever the case may be. And so, 
you know, as my, myself and my siblings have gotten older, we just learned how to navigate it. And my mom has some, some really good tips in terms of uh, keeping people at a distance. <laughs> so I want to get into that. Because, uh, okay. of course, everybody knows about the Jordan brand. We're going to get into uh, Trophy Room. You guys got a big date coming up, what, uh, seven, eight days from now, May 23rd. Exactly. I know the Correct. vibe. Uh, I, bought, I bought a few shoes in my day. So. <laughs> we appreciate that. No, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but the, the trust factor, you, you talked about your mother having to put certain barriers or install certain things in your guys' hard drive that probably is useful now. Uh, how, how do you know when to trust someone being the child of somebody that can do so much and does so much for so many people? Yeah, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's like an acquired skill, man. It takes a lot of trials and tribulations. You know, I've, I've made, had been friends with people and fallen out with people over the years. And, you know, honestly, I keep a tight circle. You know, uh, my, my circle is literally my trophy room employees, my family, if it's not my cousins, uh, then it's, you know, my three or four best friends that I grew up with in Chicago. So, you know, uh, other than that, you know, we keep it, we keep it acquaintances with everybody and we keep it cool, but. I think Drake summed it up the best when he said, no new friends. I, I think we, uh, we, we really live by that. <laughs> the things that you guys experienced, you said that you, it was a slight stunt, but you said that you had never flown on a commercial airplane in <laughs> high school. The things that you right. guys experienced and knowing that your father was who he was, how, did your, how was your childhood normal in any points where you were like, oh, this is what, yeah. this is what people who don't have Michael Jordan as a dad go through and this is what a regular childhood feels like? Yeah, sure. So like, you know, we went to public middle school, you know, for example. And so like, you know, we're hanging around with, with our classmates. And at that time, we're real young. This is like elementary school. So we didn't really understand who my dad was and the icon that, that he is. So, you know, at that time, it was we didn't really, you know, you would pick up on subtle things. Like, obviously, we grew up in a, in a huge house. And so like you would go to a friend's house and maybe their house wasn't as big, you know. And so there was little subtle clues over the years that as we got older, it started to just click. And then I think, you know, when I started playing basketball, uh, competitively, like in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, that's when it really started to set in. Like, okay, you know, we we are a little different, unique circumstances. So uh, that's that's really, you know, that's that's all I took from. So you go over people's houses, like, man, y'all still got that video game? <laughs> <laughs> it was somewhat, you know, something like that. You know, my dad had a putting green at the crib and a driving range, so like, it's a little different. A little different. Speaking of a little different, uh, you know. Who are you awestruck by, or maybe how should I say that? Who who would people be awestruck that was just around in terms of the 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 royalty that your father kind of moved around? I mean, you're talking about yeah. entertainers and athletes and all these people. People might have come by the crib, or you know, whenever you guys moved around as a family, who who would some people say, man, like that's kind of cool? On top of Michael Jordan being your pops, yeah, you know, I think uh, obviously anytime any of his teammates came over, you know. Pip or, or Robin. Robin gave me hair dye as a, as a shorty one time for my birthday and my mom couldn't wait to snatch it away from me. So, uh, you know, anytime the teammates came over, it was always like, cool. You know, we, you know, they, they were like extended family. Um, but other than that, you know, there were some times that like, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce came over to the house when we were real young. And, you know, I think Jay-Z went on to rap about, you know, damn near beat Jordan and around the world. And so literally we were real young, but we were there for that moment. And uh, I think, you know, I'm not awestruck a lot, but when my dad got the presidential uh, award of or medal of freedom um, I, and we got a chance to go to the White House, I think that was like a, an awestruck moment for me too, just kind of ha ha uh, to have that interaction with, you know, President Obama and, and Mrs. Michelle Obama. That, that was really awesome. What was that interaction like with the family headed to it and understanding the, the gravity of that moment? 
Yeah, it was real. You know, honestly, I was it was a uh, it was it was cool to see a lot of like minded people in there. It was a lot of African-Americans in that room. And so it was that was a, a huge moment. Uh, and, you know, I think Diana Ross won and uh, was awarded the medal as well. And so, you know, there was just it was it was a great vibe to be there. And, and you know, it's something that I'll never forget. You know, I, I, I look at like the, the best athletes in the world or the best surgeons in the world or the best lawyers in the world or anybody who's trying to chase a dream in any industry and get to the top of that industry. Some things are going to have to be sacrificed. And unfortunately, a lot of those things happen to be personal relationships and even more unfortunately, sometimes familiar relationships with the people sure. that you love the most because you're trying to work for their future as well. Uh, was there ever a moment where you resented the fact that your father was everyone's, you know, like everybody's dad is, is their Superman, but right. Michael Jordan is a lot of people's Superman. Like, was there ever a moment where you had to navigate those waters where it was like, man, my pops is pretty cool, but every moment is everyone's. Um, you know, no, cause I think my dad does a good job of like when we're, you know, with him, it's not really, a, it's not really like as big as a show, you know what I'm saying? Like he knows how to turn it off around us and, you know, I think one of the things that has kind of made him the man who he is today is that his, his, his privacy, you know, and I think, you know, even just his, his, the legacy that he's built is um, somewhat built around the mystique around who he is and like not being able, not being accessible, not being around him. So I think even with the last dance, that's one of the things that really, you know, drives the impact of the documentary is that, you know, they're kind of pulling back the, uh, the curtain, so to say, and letting everybody in. And so for us, you know, it was never really, you know, there was never a, like a, a, a separation, you know, it was always just dad. And so, you know, when he was with us, he would turn it off. He would drive us to school. He would make sure we were doing our homework. It, you know, it was what it was. Now, for granted, you know, we did have to like sneak in the movie theaters maybe five minutes late or, you know, walk into the back of a restaurant to sit in the private room. But I mean, you know, he always made sure that we had family time. Was there, was there a protocol when it came to rolling around as, as you needed to or it's not wanted to, but needed to? Like, what, is there some things that n normal kids probably wouldn't understand that was just like second yeah. to you and Jasmine and Jeffrey? For sure. So like when Jeff and I started playing AAU basketball, you know, we started traveling with our own private security. And so, um, you know, we would literally, you know, the team would ride in a bus and we would drive uh, in the backseat with our you know security and they, you know, they were legitimate. They had, you know, escape routes and one would sit on the bench and one would sit in the crowd and they would communicate during the games, just, you know, watching stuff. So, you know, it was uh, that that's something that you wouldn't see in any other normal family. But, you know, obviously my parents wanted to make sure that, you know, nothing was was going wrong on the AAU circuit. And, you know, I, honestly, I thank them for it. There were so many stories and memories that we created, you know, on those trips that, you know, I, I, I you know, you can't never forget. While people are trying to achieve these heights, and especially when it comes to men in these relationships, when men are trying to achieve these heights and be fathers and, and be um, significant others, be spouses, be husbands, you know, women have to take care of everything along that way and also sure. reach their dreams and their goals as well. Your mother, um, you know, she has been, a, like you said, a, a private person for a very long time and, and kind of held herself with a, a sense of grace and class that this city is very aware of. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and I don't think Juanita gets enough uh, credit in terms of even holding things down. I mean, oh, yeah. the, 
sure. it turned out, you know, as, as, as well as, as could be perceived. Um, your mom and what she has meant in this entire thing. Like we're, we see, we know the Jordan brand, we know the Jordan dynasty and the legacy, but yeah. what your mother represents in that equation. Yeah, my mom, you know, my mom is the glue to the family. You know, obviously I got my, I've got her tatted on my hand. I don't know if you can see it, but I mean, literally, there nice. you go. Exactly. You know how it is. So, nah, man, my mom, you know, she's the foundation. Like she's the rock. And I think, you know, I, we wouldn't be the people that we are today, myself, my siblings, even my dad without, you know, the influence of my mom. So uh, you see Southside Chicago, born and bred, and, and, you know, she made sure that we knew exactly where we came from, that's for sure. Didn't seem like Mike got checked too much uh, in his NBA career or even today. <laughs> uh, but I, hey, I think my dad is the toughest dude I know, but I've seen my dad get checked by my mom before. Hey, you know, women, women are definitely stronger than us. I, I give them that. <laughs> is, there <a> moment, <laughs> is there a moment where you looked at mom once, it's like, man, mom, that's... I feel you, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, nothing really like that. There were some times, you know, maybe where we was, you know, interacting one-on-one myself with my mom and, you know, whether it be trying to get a parking spot in downtown Chicago or, you know, people not acting right in the restaurant, you know, she's definitely, she's not shy to let people know that they're not acting correct. So. Hey, man, I used to, I used to do the, uh, I used to produce the uh, dinner series with uh, Mike Dicker and Dan okay. here in, in Chicago at, at Dicker Steakhouse on radio. And Diana yeah. Dicker, I, you could talk about armed security, you could talk about whatever you want. Diana Dicker is one of the fiercest people I have ever been around in terms of protecting and making sure that everything is right, you know, in that atmosphere. Exactly. I can only imagine what has to happen. Um, yeah. what, what do people not know enough about your dad? Yeah, you know, uh, I think people oftentimes forget that he's human. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the fact that, you know, he's been an icon literally since like 1984, since he hit the shot, you know, in, at UNC. And oftentimes people forget, you know, that, yeah, he's Michael Jordan, but there is a human element behind that, you know? And so I think the the, doc, the documentary, The Last Dance, I think did a great job of kind of showcasing a little bit of that. Yeah, granted, he's a little more competitive than everybody, but, you know, there's uh, there's times where, you know, I think he even said in the doc, you know, he wanted to win those championships, but he wanted those guys to experience that as well. So I think, again, that just kind of speaks to, to his side. When I lose the sense of motivation and the sense of to prove something as a basketball player, it's time for me to move away from the game of basketball. And I had been with him weeks before at the last game of the finals. No one knew. Quote, unquote, I'm back. That's the most impactful two words ever. He didn't really say anything until you know, he announced via his facts that he was back. Coming May 28th, this is Sports Uncovered. I'm back. What bothers you the most when you see it or read it or hear it? I, listen, you've got the you got the same vibes that I do on Twitter, where it's like, yeah, I you know, I I can tussle with you for a little bit, but I ain't gonna I ain't gonna engage too long. Hey, exactly. Uh, Jasmine and Jeff don't get down like that. I appreciate right. you for it. Uh, but when, <laughs> when you consume conversation about your dad, what what touches you the most? Uh, you know, I. I really look for like people that are students of the game that really understand where the game of basketball has come from since its inception. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, a lot of, you can't, you got to take anything you see on social media with a grain of salt. Everybody's looking to get, you know, attention or, or clickbait or troll somebody. So I don't really read much of, you know, when I put something on Twitter, it's because I'm feeling it. It's because I want to say it and you either rock with it or you don't. 
But, uh, you know, with regards to like the debates and stuff around my dad and, and who's the greatest of all time, I mean, I think just for me personally, it's hard to take somebody from this era and put them in that 90s era. Just because like, if you didn't play in that era, you don't really understand the magnitude of like what it was day in and day out, like grinding, getting bust on the, getting your ass bust on the court, literally starting a fight and getting just a regular foul, not even a technical foul. So, you know, I think it's, it's hard to compare each era. You know, they got to do it. People need to watch, people need to get the views and the clicks. But uh, I think the documentary uh, should have should have ended all that. <laughs> you know what? You know what's crazy? I asked you what, what bothers you the most, and you jumped immediately into the who's the greatest of all time debate. There's been a lot hey. of Hold on, Marcus, there's been a lot of stuff said about your pops. And the first thing that you went to was the who's the greatest. So I can see that you, you know, the, the DNA is strong because I just I just think that's what it is. You know, I think we we gotta we gotta look at all the facts, is all I'm okay. saying. Yeah, yeah. And and on top of it, you know they can't fight like that no more because, you know, you can't like your pops took the league to a different level and For people sure. started to notice it and different consumers started to consume the product and there was 100% and have a bunch of brothers running around throwing hands and 100%. that's why when I used to watch like the Grizzlies and the Clippers square off right and Tony and Zach and Mark and all Mike Conley had the, the grind city thing going on yeah yeah and, oh yeah and people were like oh they punkin Blake they punkin Blake and I'd say to myself like do you understand that NBA stars are told you can't fight do not fight people out here. We can't have it. Like, so 100%. we start to compare these eras. Like, yeah, when, when your pops was making fun of the traveling cocaine circus, the NBA was viewed in a different way, like by a exactly. different audience. And now it's big business. You, you're you not about to have dudes who are worth $400 million throwing hands. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't want to discredit these guys today because there is that intensity there. You, you'll see it from time to time. Guys do chirp. And, uh, you know, I think Pat Beverly is one of the best at it, you know, in terms of getting under people's skin and, and ruffling feathers. Uh, but, you know, I think it's definitely, it's, not, it's just, you can't compare the, the two eras. You know, I think even just the emphasis on, on offense these days, how big of uh, a part of the game that the three is now compared to what it was back in the 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I think those types of changes, you know, definitely, you know, change the trajectory of the league. But, uh, you know, with regards to the foundation that my dad has, my dad has built, yeah, I think it's, you know, the, one of the things that get, gets lost in the discussion is how much impact he made, had on the game, you know, and how he grew the game of basketball, not just domestically, but internationally and globally. Um, so, you know, I think that, that, you know, that tips the scale and when it comes down to these debates as well. Hall of Fame speech. Did you hear it beforehand? Uh, no, I never heard it beforehand. But I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it. You know, I. In all honesty, I. You know, I've seen that side of my dad since I was born. You know, and so I never really. You know, I. I, I remember going home after it because we sat in the front row, obviously. And then once everybody was kind of up in arms about about the speech, I just I really didn't get it. And I was so laser focused on playing basketball at the time. I was I was a freshman, I think, at UCF. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't get it. I, you know, I thought it was a great speech. I was sitting there laughing my ass off. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned UCF. Uh, let's, let's add this to the pile of stunts. Um, okay. You were being recruited by the UCF Golden Knights at the time. And sure. Whitney Young's, you know, out of Whitney Young. And yeah. they were wearing Adidas. So take me from the recruitment because uh, we'll, we'll get to what happens when you step into the Jordan household without Jordan's on. Uh, but take me from the recruitment, understanding they wore Adidas, to all of a sudden 
not just the basketball program, but the entire school having to be outfit, outfit <laughs> uh, Nike and Jordan apparel. Yeah. So basically when I was a junior, you know, all throughout my, my junior and senior year at Whitney Young, you know, um, I was being recruited by a lot of different colleges and universities, but UCF was one of the first schools that really showed genuine interest in me early on. And then, so I went on to win a state championship my senior year at Whitney Young. And then after that, a bunch of offers started piling in from all these different universities and all that stuff. And so for me, I wanted to, you know, be authentic to who kind of was there early in my journey. And, you know, having my best friend, AJ Romsa at the time, go down there the year before I did, I had never heard of UCF. So AJ was in my ear like, bro, you got to come check this out. You'll love it. It's Florida. And, you know, I, growing up on the AAU circuit, I had always taken trips to Orlando every year for nationals. So I didn't even know UCF was there. So once I got there, it was like the third largest school in the country, 56,000 kids. Uh, I would come in and be able to make an impact right away on the basketball team. It was a no-brainer for me. And on, the, on my visit, the school actually told me, they said that, you know, it was going to be no problem for me to wear Jordans. Yeah, they were Adidas school, but they had actually talked to their regional Adidas reps, and they had communicated back to the university that there would be no issue with me wearing Jordan shoes. So at that moment, I was like, all right, cool. I, I actually we went to the Bahamas on a family vacation. And then I ended up calling them and committing. And so at that point, I think word started to get around that I would be going to UCF and they were Adidas school, yada, yada, yada. But uh, once I got to campus, the school maintained that, look, you know, we weren't going to go back on our word to you. Uh, eventually the season started. And at our first exhibition game, I guess it got up to the higher ups in Germany at Adidas and they had an issue with it. And so they communicated to the school that if I was going to walk on the court not wearing Adidas, that they were going to pull the whole school's deal. And so, you know, literally in the first time out of that exhibition game, uh, one of the assistant coaches comes to me and is like, yo, they just pulled the deal. They pulled the deal. And so, you know, I was a freshman at the time, so they kept a lot of the inner workings of the details away from me. But, you know, there was a, I remember a conversation like there, we couldn't make, it couldn't be like Nike was just coming in to save the day because obviously there's contracts and agreements before, before and stuff like that, that. Before you get to that part, is there concessions that you tried to make as, as a player or just say, hey, Absolutely. I'll do this for you and then we can still wear the Jordans? For sure. And so basically what I did was I called up D. Rose because he was a good friend of mine and he had these Adidas ankle braces that he was rocking at the time. And so I had him hit me, send me a couple, of, I bought a couple of ankle braces and I put them on. That way, anytime anybody took a picture of my, of my Jordan shoes, you would still see Adidas. You know what I'm saying? And so that was my kind of compromise because I just wasn't going to wear Adidas. They weren't comfortable for me. And again, the school told me what they told me. And so after that, you know, they pulled the contract. I, you know, I had several conversations with my dad, like, look, I don't know what we're going to do because, like, everybody's blaming me. It was literally women's soccer, volleyball. Nobody was getting products. So, you messed it uh, up. Exactly. I fucked it up. But <laughs> thank, the God, thank God, Nike uh, and Jordan Brand, they came in and stepped in and saved the day. And yeah, it's no funny, though, because kids hit me up to this day, and I'll get tweets on Twitter or whatever, and they say, oh, man, you got to thank Marcus Jordan for these sweet Nike uniforms and blah, 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 blah. So it's funny that we're still talking about it. You know, senior that trends for Orlando. Uh, <laughs> uh, who's the best player not named Michael Jordan? Of all time or right now? Of all time. Mm. Wow. Oh, man. For me? Who's the best player of all time? Not named Michael Jordan, because I wonder about it. They're going to cut it up if you say it like that. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I've, never, I've never not answered that question saying my dad. Uh, so let's see. Who's yeah, because people have been letting you off the hook for all these years. Yeah, that's true. Man, 
I would have to go with. You know you want to say. You know you want to say. I'm man. I think until LeBron's journey is over, I can't put him there. So until he retires, I can't put him there yet. So for me, I'm going probably if it ain't Hakeem. Oh man, I was just thinking of like guys that really changed the game. If it ain't Hakeem. I don't know, man. That's a good question. If it ain't Hakeem, then I would say, I got I, you know, Brian is 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 close. Is he's in that he's in that element. He's in that element. I, I give him that. I give him. You that. just gave Skip and Shannon another half an hour on Monday. I <laughs> hey, well, you know who's first. Yeah, you already know who's first. But uh, if you're talking about who's after that, then you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of neck and neck races that we we gotta we gotta put the categories down on the table yeah, in terms see? of how we how we evaluate. Don't worry, I got you back. I got you. Uh, <laughs> um, Kobe Bryant, uh, the relationship that he and your father had, yeah. it came came to light during the memorial. Um, yeah. Seeing your father that emotional, that vulnerable, and also drawn from the strength of somebody that was younger than him that looked up to him as well. Um, that relationship, how did you see it manifest itself from the moment that Kobe got into the league to the yeah. moment? that you were seeing, you know, strides in your professional life to right. dad and then obviously where we are now. Yeah, you know, so when I was real young, you know, I don't know how close my dad and Kobe were. You know, I know that they had somewhat of a relationship, but I don't know how close, you know, obviously they weren't as close to as they are today or, or as they, you know, used to be. And right. so, you know, I think where I really got a chance to see my dad and Kobe interact was, you know, as I got older with, you know, Trophy Room, I was going down to my dad's house a lot just to try to meet with him and get his insight on on business stuff. And from time to time, Kobe would just text him, you know, and I would, you know, my dad would, you know, kind of perk up just to kind of reply to him to make sure, you know, because there was always that competitive banter going back and forth. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I feel like Kobe was, you know, looking for some advice and and, and, and in actuality, my, I feel like my dad may have gotten some, some guidance from him as well. And so, you know, I think over the past, you know, three or four years, I've really gotten a chance to kind of, you know, see how they interacted. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I got a chance to see that because, you know, what happened is just is so tragic, man. Yeah, it is. And the reason that Kobe's legacy will live on is far past basketball. Um, the, the hashtag girl dad and all the things that were happening – uh, after his passing or, you know, another another reason why he is one of the more impactful athletes of our generation. Um, sure. And and you, you mentioned that some things that he would impart upon uh, your dad, you know, him being the, the father of three girls now. Um, do, do you think those conversations went along those lines or like when you said that he would do so or he would he would impart things upon your father? What, what were you what were you referring yeah. to? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I obviously, you know, I, I don't want to divulge what they would talk about, but, uh, you know, he would, he would just give him advice, whether it was on the basketball court, you know, I, uh, I know that Kobe was doing a lot of coaching. And so, you know, whether it was, you know, the details of the game or, or the triangle offense, you know, I know that there were times where Kobe would reach out to, to my dad and while me, literally we're mid conversation and, uh, you know, he would, he would just turn and, and, and reply to him. So, you know, I, I don't want to give any details around what they were talking about, but uh, they definitely, they talked a lot, especially over the past couple of years. All right, we go from Kobe to LeBron. Uh, your father's relationship with LeBron and your feelings about LeBron. I mean, you're, you're a part of the NBA family as, as Michael Jordan's son. <laughs> as an Appreciate that. As an entrepreneur, 
as a, as a professional, as a CEO, uh, and yeah. found you are in this NBA family. You, you guys move around and you bump into each other. Your interactions with LeBron and your father's interactions with LeBron. I mean, LeBron is, is family, man. He's Nike. He's part of the Nike family, obviously. Uh, anytime I've seen LeBron and his crew, uh, Randy and Mav and, and all those guys, they always treat me like family, like Rich and all those guys. So, you know, there's, there's definitely no animosity there. I don't know if that's, like, at the root of this question. Of but course not. Nah, of course No, nah, but we are family. You know, anytime we see each other, we make sure that we dap each other up. I remember one time, uh, this was maybe, like, my senior year of high school, I want to say, and Bron, I think LeBron was on the cast or, or – I can't remember what was when this was, but I was in Chicago and I was at Water Tower Place just shopping with my boys. And LeBron, I can't remember if he was on the Heat or the Cavs. He just happened to be in Chicago. And it was just like an organic passing that we just walked by each other in, in Water Tower Place. And, you know, it was an organic dap up. How you doing? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Good luck tonight. You know, and so it's always family whenever we see each other. And the respect that he's had for your dad uh, has been documented, obviously. The, the number, 100%. the auto toss, all that stuff. Um, their relationship that maybe, you know, I, I, when Michael divulged his, his vibes for Kobe, it was, it was kind of a rejoicing for everybody around the community to, to see that happen. Like these are the two, sure. two of the, the giants of, of the game. Uh, that interaction with LeBron, uh, we don't see it, but it feels like there's a mutual admiration and respect there. Every time they talk about each other, every time a milestone is passed, it, it doesn't, you know, for all the things that we want to put pit those two together, it doesn't seem like they carry that weight. Uh, and, and Absolutely not, not. Outside of competitive, you know, spirit. For sure. Yeah, I think obviously they're just, they're both really competitive. Uh, but outside of, you know, like you said, admiration, I think they both respect each other's games. And, and you know, it's always, it's always family. It's always love whenever we see each other. All right. So I want you to do some, uh, some word affiliation here. Okay. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to give you a word. You tell me what you think of when you hear it. Let's do it. The Last Dance documentary. Fire. Isaiah Thomas. Bad boy. Phil Jackson. Legend. Scott Burrell. <laughs> Jokester. <laughs> Will Purdue. Great teammate. B.J. Armstrong. Tough as nails. Detroit City Gangster. Uh, <laughs> Jerry <laughs> Krause. Uh, visionary, I would say. Tony Kukoc. <laughs> Shooter, I guess I would say. Yeah, victim. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Tony though <clears throat> uh, Scotty Pippen what I think first thing that comes to my mind is like this best friend best teammate like that right hand man I got I got there's too many words for Scotty I mean I can't even let's, just say let's one talk, let's talk about it then um, like we got a little bit of Scotty 94 dominance right mm -hmm. and then we got back to your father's storyline of course it's the last dance but we've we've picked so many moments where I'm sitting there like, man, and I was a huge Scotty fan as a kid. I'm like, man, show me that entire 94, you know, highlight package with right. whatever song was hot in 94. Like, but Scotty and Michael's relationship and, and, and what he means to the Michael Jordan legacy and dynasty, uh, how, how would you put that into words? 
Uh, you know, I've seen Scotty at the house plenty of times. You know, I think, like my dad said, you can't, there is no Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen, you know, and uh, I, I think, you know, nine goes into a little bit more of what was going on in, uh, in the flu game and, and a lot of different circumstances around that. And, you know, Scotty, I, I, I can't speak to their relationship. I don't want to put words in my dad's mouth or anything like that. But, you know, I've always, uh, you know, Scotty's like an uncle to me. And so whenever I see him, I make sure I say what's up to him. And, you know, I've definitely seen him around the house a lot and, and, and picked his brain at certain times uh, with different things. The Jordan brand. Uh, this, this brand is not only iconic when it comes to athletics, but this iconic culture uh, brand. It's, it's a statement. The logo is one of the more hallowed logos in the history of, of um, design. Uh, now that you are uh, in the trophy room business firmly and you are a part of this culture and moving this culture forward, uh, what is Jordan brand not only meant to you, but what is, what is the next steps for your father's brand? Yeah. So, you know, obviously trophy room is somewhat independent from Jordan brand, you know, it's hundred percent owned by me, but you know, with everything we do kind of is synonymous with Jordan brand because uh, you know, obviously we lead through the Jordan lens and the Nike lens and ultimately everything we try to do just ties back to the legacy that my dad has built. But with regards to Jordan brand, man, I think that they're, they're in a great space today. You know, obviously with everything that's kind of in this in, been going on with this virus. Uh, if you take a look at Jordan retro launches over the past, I think five weeks, there's been at least three sellouts. I know. And so, you know, that's something that just kind of speaks to the demand that is still around for these, these, these products. Um, but in terms of the future and the growth of the business, I think, you know, Jordan brand has been doing a great job just kind of pushing the Jordan women's business. Uh, I think they've always identified that as an area of growth for them. And uh, I think lately they've been doing a lot of authentic pushes around Jordan women's and making sure that they're curating product for her. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a, that's a huge area of growth. And then, you know, just maintaining those strategic partnerships on the court, you know, whether it's Jason Tatum or, or Zion Williamson, you know, I think that, you know, the focus for Jordan brand is always to make sure that some of the best players on the court are, are, are sporting the brand and, uh, and trying to push the technology and the, uh, and the, the uh, innovation forward. And when it comes to, you know, the 35 and these performance models that, that Jordan brand continues to turn out. Very special day coming up for you. May 23rd, uh, 2016 was the launching of the Trophy Room store. It is Correct. now online and you guys are still doing your thing. James Whitner and, and how he got you into this business and where you are as it stands. Yeah, so basically, you know, 523 is a special date to me. My jersey number in college was 5, 2 plus 3, and obviously my dad being 23. And so... Uh, you know, right now we're in the middle of it. We're in a bit of a transition. You know, we were, we opened up in Disney Springs in 2016. And right now we're in the process of relocating to a, to a new space in downtown Orlando. And so, you know, given everything that's going on with COVID-19, we were actually in the process of submitting for permits to kind of begin construction. And now, you know, everything's kind of on pause. And so, you know, we're in the process of kind of determining and developing a new strategy, trying to just, you know, repurpose uh, some energy to online. Uh, we were in the process of kind of, uh, unveiling this new uh, concept called The Breakfast Club, which is inspired by my dad's iteration of The Breakfast Club in 1989, is to essentially get over the proverbial hump of the Bad Boys Pistons. And so, uh, you know, our Breakfast Club, Trophy Room's Breakfast Club, looks to kind of serve as like a, a way for us to engage with the community. So whether that's through workshops or question and answers, you know, do-it-yourself customization sessions, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out ways that we can maybe even do them online or Obviously, when the store is up and running, we'd like to bring that energy through the store. So, 
Breakfast Club is going to be a huge component for this new space, but uh, we're all thinking about how can we kind of speed up the, the, the introduction of it. Hey, man, whatever the next step is, make sure you bring it our way, and I'll be definitely sure to, to promote it. We are very proud of you, not only as a Chicagoan, but uh, the way that you and your brother and your sister have handled yourselves throughout all of this, because I'm sure this has been uh, it's, it's a pressure cooker. But the perks, are pretty dope. the perks are pretty dope, but you guys have dealt with things that I, that, that I don't think a lot of people can even fathom. Uh, Thank you so much. We appreciate you, man. Uh, thank sure. you for joining by the Bulls Talk Podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. So, thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Coors Light. Find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or tell your smart speaker to play Bulls Talk Podcast. Subscribe if you like the show. Feel free to rate and review us. New episodes are ready every Tuesday and Friday morning. We'll talk to you soon, but until then, be safe.